let us again be reminded that Christian prayer should be special. It should be unique. It must be biblical. Christian prayer is to be offered through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Hello and uh, good morning, all of you, my brothers and sisters. Welcome to the continu continuing study and discussion on the Sermon on the Mount. Today is the first day of the month of December. Christmas is getting nearer and nearer. And it's my prayer that um, even this discussion we've been having on the Sermon on the Mount will help us this year to, to, to celebrate Christmas in a more meaningful manner. That our prayers during this season and after will be more, more meaningful and more impactful. Because now uh, we, are, we are increasingly becoming more and more aware what God uh, expects of us as his children. Uh, I'd like to continue um, in our study of uh, this matter of prayer from Matthew chapter 6. And today we are reading uh, verses 9 to 15, but we shall be able to deal with only, a, I mean, a small section of that scripture. The rest uh, we shall, God willing, tackle as we go along. Let us pray. Our gracious and everlasting Father, the, this season reminds us of the gift that you gave to us, the people of this world, to demonstrate your love. We thank you and we honor you. And we pray, Father, as uh, we contemplate the Christmas that uh, we shall do that with what Jesus has taught us in mind that we should not celebrate like anybody else because Jesus called us out of the world to be a special people to be like himself and to live our lives and to do our things like nobody else that Lord we shall always be guided by the word of God and this we pray in the name of Christ Jesus our loving Savior Amen <clears throat> so we read Matthew 6 9 to 15 this then is how we should pray our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, their sins, your father 
will not forgive your sins. Today we shall be looking uh, on um, at verse 9. Our Father in heaven, especially our Father in heaven, uh, that's a point I would like us to emphasize on as a subject of utmost importance and one which is very critical for our understanding the Bible, understanding the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. So let me begin by saying that prayer is the most important activity in the entire Christian life. In the life of a Christian, we usually define prayer as conversation with God. And it is that. It is conversation with God. But it's much more than that. It is much more than conversation. And I would like to, take, to, 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 to go back to the creation to pick up this theme from there. Now, at the creation, um, we know that God created man or human beings in his own image and in his own likeness. A part of this God-likeness is a very unique uh, gift of language for communication and also the capacity to understand, to hear, to understand, and to reason, and to, to act on the basis of that hearing. When God spoke to Adam and Eve, and that is after they had sinned, they heard God and they understood his question, where are you? Who told you you are naked? Did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat? I mean, and they understood and they responded. So there is this conversation, this communication between human beings and God. This gift is unique to the human family. It is not available to animals. I'm sure they have their own way of communicating, body language, and all that and all that. But with men and God, they speak one to another in a language that is understandable on both sides. So, um, so, 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 as, as you can see, um, that establishes man on a level that is higher than any other, any other creature. So the, the, the gift of communication, therefore, we should be able to see it as a special gift and a special privilege that is available only to us. And uh, the first uh, and the communication is between people and also, be, uh, uh, and, and also uh, between people and God. So man-to-man -man communication in a language that is understandable and also a conversation uh, with God. And therefore, I mean, as our conversation with other people build relationships, so does our prayer develop our relationship with God. Christian prayer is communion with God, the creator, the most holy God. 
in our current study on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is concerned that our prayer should not be like that of hypocrites and pagans. It should not be like any other prayer. This communion with our Heavenly Father, Holy God, the Almighty and Everlasting God, it should not be like anybody else's prayer. To do so, in other words, to make our prayer like the prayer of pagans and the hypocrites is actually idolatry. It is to treat God like an idol. And that is not very pleasing. That is not pleasing at all to God. And so Jesus then, therefore, apart from saying, uh, showing what is the wrong prayer, he is now ready to teach the correct prayer, the correct way of praying. And we have uh, already seen that uh, in Matthew. Uh, but in the first word, the first line of this correct prayer that should be offered to our Father in heaven is the line, is the line that we are dealing with right now. Our Father who is in heaven. Our Father who is in heaven. I mean, one can really break down each one of those words and, 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 and preach the whole gospel from there. The word our is meaningful, has meaning in the sense that normally we treat, we treat prayer, um, um, you know, as, as for me. And so Jesus is, is also revealing that there's, some, there's, a, there's, there's prayer that is selfish and there's prayer that is selfless. Our um, uh, introduces the meaning of our community of God's people who live together in unity, bound together by the Spirit of God. Christ did pray for the unity of, of the church, of the church universal, uh, as the last prayer, uh, just before he went to, uh, you know, um, to, to, to be crucified. And, and, and he was very uh, concerned that the church is living behind will be one as he and the Father are one. Our that unity should reflect the unity of the Holy Trinity, the oneness of the Holy Trinity. So our is a family prayer. Our Father. Our Father. Uh, and so, um, yes, we do have um, private and personal needs, and we do pray for those as well. But overall, overall, prayer is actually a gift that is given for us for the benefit of the entire world. And especially, we should be praying so much for salvation of those who do not know Christ. They may be, they may be friends or members of the family and the people of the world generally, because that is what God desires uh, above all else. That's why Christ died. That's why he came. That's why he died. And so let's look now at this prayer, uh, which we, we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. He says, let's, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. And this is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Today we shall just manage to 
to complete um, um, this one line, our Father in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray to our Father in heaven and to nobody else. The Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, present God as a, uh, as a father and believers as his children. As such, we are not to pray to anybody else. We should offer, direct our prayer to our Father in heaven. Therefore, um, one doesn't need to say, or perhaps one should say and emphasize that we should not, for any reason, pray to saints, to St. Peter or St. John or whoever. We should not pray to angels. We should not pray to any other, any, any other being, but to our everlasting Father, the Father of, all, the Father of spirits and the Lord of heaven and earth. So the, father, the fatherhood of God and our adoption as his children um, are, are therefore important truths that we should hold on to very, very firmly, very, very dearly. Without this knowledge of God's fatherhood and our own adoption as children, we really cannot discover the wonderful inheritance that our Father in heaven has kept for us. Uh, and, and, and this is what we are pursuing God for. Our prayer, we are pursuing God for our inheritance. To know him more deeply and to relate to him more intimately. To call him Abba, Father, as Jesus called him. The word uh, Abba, Father, or uh, the words Abba, Father are translated to be, to, to mean Daddy. You know, it, 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 it is a, the, the word of a little child talking to its father. Daddy, Abba, Father. We can only say that if God indeed is our Father. Now, there are at least two ways in which we call God Father. First, we call God our Father uh, on the basis of being His creatures, of being created by Him, of God being our Creator. Uh, and, and, and on that account, Paul told the Athenians, that um, that you are God's, we are we are we are you are His off offsprings. In you know, in Him we live and move and have our beings. In Him we live and move and have our being, and and so we 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 we, we call Him Father because He has created us. But that is actually on a lower plane. Because God also created animals and trees and other creatures. And, and they don't call him father. But then there's a higher level at which we call God our father. And this is when we call him our father in heaven. When we call him our father in heaven. We call him father on the basis of of our being his children by faith in Christ Jesus. 
In this sense, we are God's children by being born again in Christ Jesus, through whom we have been adapted into God's spiritual family and given the right to be called children of God. In Christ, we have the spirit of sonship. The Bible continues to say, and by him, in other words, by that spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. So it is by the spirit we, uh, we, can, we, we are actually able to say, Abba, Father, as Jesus did. That is language that is only allowed, um, you know, to the children of our Father in heaven. But let us hold on to this truth, therefore, also, um, and it's an important truth, that God desires to be known as our Father. We pray because God desires to be known as our Father. We say, we, we pray, Father, our Father in heaven, for the reason that God desires to be known as our Father. Uh, and this we see this in the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament. Uh, one, one good example uh, of the, in the New Testament is Exodus chapter 4, verse 22 to 23, which actually is the, the first time, the first occasion uh, when, when God is referred to as a father. This, this was Moses in, in a, being given instruction what to go and say to Pharaoh. And he says, God uh, talks of Israel as his firstborn son. And so, you see, Father looks at himself as a father uh, of Israel. The other passages in the New Testament as well, in the Old Testament. But it is in the New Testament that the fatherhood of God comes out very clearly. And it is there that it is greatly emphasized and, 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 and made personal. I mean, to more than one nation. That is, uh, that, that, that is, is spread out to people of the world who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior. My dear friends, it is absolutely important. Therefore, before we go any further, before we go any further, that we be, to be sure whether or not God is our Father, the effectiveness, the power, the effectiveness of our prayers depends entirely on our being God's children. People pray. All people like to pray. You see, Jesus says, don't pray like the pagans and the hypocrites. They do pray. But to whom do they direct their prayers? Not to God. Not to God. Not to our Father in heaven. And so God wants to be known as our Father. He wants us to know that in him we have our heritage. We have an inheritance. And in Christ, we can receive this inheritance. So when we talk about salvation, it is not just a matter, it's not just a, a religious thing. It, it, it's not just our sins being taken away. It is so that we can receive the inheritance that God has preserved for his children even before the world was created. That was his intention for Adam and Eve. 
That is his intention for you and I. And Christ came from heaven to earth to deliver this message in a very personal manner. And it cost him his life. He came to deliver our inheritance to him, to us, who believe in our Father in heaven. Prayer is about claiming our inheritance. And here, here, I want us to go to another scripture uh, very quickly. The, 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 uh, we shall not really have time to read this, but uh, Luke chapter 15, uh, 11, verses 11 to 31, Jesus told a parable, the parable of the prodigal son, and as far as I'm concerned, this is, Jesus wanted us to understand the nature of our Father in heaven and also the right of children in relation to their parent, to their father, and also in relation to their inheritance. It is about inheritance. It is about inheritance, the right to inheritance as sons uh, of, our, of our father. So, the, uh, so the, the, the prodigal son was the younger of two brothers. Uh, and uh, the younger, we are told, uh, went to his father. And contrary to culture or to norm, he asked his father to give him his inheritance. Normally, uh, inheritance comes up when uh, the father has died. But the son came to receive his inheritance while the father still lived. So he asked for his inheritance. So he came to his father to ask for inheritance. And the first lesson that I would like us to learn from this young man is this. Although we look at him as in, in a negative manner, but there's some positive lessons to learn from him. Number one, he came to his father to ask for his inheritance. What did he expect? The prodigal son knew his father thoroughly well. He knew his father inside out. He knows that the father cannot deny him anything that is good for him. Just like the Bible tells us, God will not deny us any good thing. He is willing to give us, you know, what, whatever we ask for him. But, you know, of course, according to his will. So this young man knew that whatever he asks of his father, the father will do it. And so when he asked for his inheritance, the father raised no objection. We are told he just gave him whatever he asked for, and the young man took off. So um, he knew that his father would not deny, deny him what he asked. Second, we know the story. I mean, um, I'm taking that we know the story. We, but we are told that he took all his money, all his inheritance, and he went to a distant country, but he wasted all of, all, all of that wealth with reckless living, with prostitutes and all that and all that. And then he had nothing. But then, uh, and then he went and hired himself to a farmer who kept pigs. And he was given the job of feeding pigs. And it is there that a young man came to his senses. And he argued, he reasoned with himself, listen, I am son to my father. But now it is the servants in, our, in, my, in my father's house 
who are living like like sons. They are eating and drinking and they have much to spare. And look at me where I am. Look at me. I'm feeding these pigs. I am hungry. I need food, but nobody even gives me anything. I better go home, back to my father. And I'll go and plead with him. Father, accept me as your servant, not as a son anymore. Just accept me as your servant. But what happens? When he goes home, the father says, no, 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 no. I'll receive you back. The father didn't ask him. The father actually rejoiced to see him coming. And he received him. So again, the son thoroughly knew his father. He says, I'll go and say, I have sinned against you. And as against God, just take me back as your servant. But the son knew the heart of his father would not allow him to make him a servant. And so, uh, the, the, so, so point number two. And point number three, therefore, um, the, the, the son uh, teaches us, this, this um, message um, uh, teaches us, uh, um, um, I mean, uh, this narrative, um, the parable, is that there is no way a son can be a servant. There is a place for the servant and there is a special place for the children of the family, for the sons. So we got to learn that a son is always his father's son, never a servant. No matter what sin he has committed, a son is a son. That is the message of the scriptures from the beginning to the end. If Adam and Eve had come back to their father and said, we are sorry, they would have been forgiven. This son came to his father knowing that he is my father. And my father is going to hear me out at least. And he was right. The father rejoiced to hear him coming and he embraced him and there was celebration, uh, celebration in the house. Our heavenly father is unlike our earthly fathers. He is loving. He is ever gracious. So merciful in all circumstances. He is an adulting father. He is not only more generous than our earthly fathers, but he knows better how to give good gifts to his children. And he never tires of giving. He never says, you have asked for too much. Aren't you ever satisfied? Instead, he encourages us to ask, to seek, and to knock, to ask for more and more and more. We can never exhaust our inheritance. So my friends, from, so from these two scriptures, therefore, let us again be reminded that Christian prayer should be special. It should be unique. It must be biblical. Christian prayer is to be offered through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, not through anybody else. Furthermore, it has to be offered in the Spirit, for we are to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. It is not by our other eloquence or by our many words that God is persuaded. It is the Spirit, actually, who conveys our prayers to God 
and then communicates with God in a manner that we ourselves cannot even understand. Christian prayer is a matter of communion between God and his children. It is a special privilege of all those who in Christ have the right to be called children of God, those who have the right to say to God, our Father, Abba, Father. As God's children, we have received part of our inheritance already right here on earth. And prayer, we have already said, is part of it. We shall enjoy the rest of our inheritance, which is preserved in heaven when Christ returns. But right here and now, we can live an abundant life in Christ Jesus as part of our inheritance here. We have forgiveness of sins. We have the Holy Spirit. And we can talk to our Father anytime, anywhere, uh, and he will hear and respond. This is a blessing, my friends, others do not have. Outside of Christianity, this privilege does not exist. So here's our challenge then. The question is, my friend, dear brother, brother, sister, is God your father? Are you sure? Are you his son or are you his daughter? Are you sure? You can be his child. You can become his child and his heir this very hour, right here and now. And what do you do? Pray, ask, seek, and knock, and you will receive. Whatever you ask for, our Father will give you. But first, things first. What do we ask for then? What is the, of the utmost importance right now is to be sure that God is our Father, that we are born again in Christ Jesus, that we have been adopted into God's family, and we can call God Father. It doesn't do to just say our Father in heaven when you're not born again in the family of God. This is a special privilege for the children of God. So, but on, and then secondly, many were once saved, were saved at one point or another, they gave their lives to Jesus and confessed their sins and were forgiven. But then, like the prodigal son, they wandered away from home and they are so embarrassed about it, they don't know how to come back. There's only one thing. Pray to our Father in heaven. Say, Father, I'm sorry. I have sinned against you. Forgive me. And without any other ceremonies, God forgives at once. Because this is a promise that we, we, we hear from one scripture upon another that if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and he will not only forgive our sins but he will cleanse us from every unrighteousness let me invite you therefore my friend if you have not received Christ at all to invite him into your life right now tell him I'm, I'm a sinner forgive me no more than that if you have been born again and you've, you've backslidden the same thing I have sinned, my Lord, forgive me. And he will say, and, he will, and he, he, he will not even ask questions. This is your time, my friend. As we think about Christmas, let us know uh, that that is the reason why Jesus came in the first place. So as we celebrate Christmas, let us be sure that God is our Father. And Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. Amen? I thank you for hearing me. God bless you. Our gracious Father in heaven, 
we open our hearts to you. We admit that in many ways we have offended you, for we have sinned, and we fall short of your glory. We thank you, Lord, for giving us a Savior, Christ Jesus, who died for us in order to reconcile us to you, back to you. Help us, O oh God, not waste any more time, but to step forward and open our hearts to you and admit before you and no one else that we have sinned and fall short of your glory. Help us, Lord, then, to receive your salvation as part of our inheritance right here and now. And this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. Thank you.